Alhamdulillah yourself, Sheikh. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. We are going to be heading straight into our very first segment, being knowing my Lord, and she is going to be continuing as to where Sheikh stopped yesterday. Inshallah. Also, a kindly reminder that Sheikh is only going to be here up until three thirty. Inshallah. So definitely, we are going to make the most of what we can have in the short space of time. Alhamdulillah. And do know that you can send through your questions pertaining to the topic that Sheikh is going to be speaking about. Sheikh Tafadil. Thanks very, very much for that one, Auntie Asmina. We are at the beginning in our first segment, so let us, inshallah, start. Rabbi Shrahli Sadri wa Yassili Amri Wahlul Ogdata Min Lissani Yafqahu Qawli. Allahumma Alimna Bima Yamfa'una, Wamfa'una Bima Alimtana, Warzukna Ilman Yadil Jalali Wal Ikram. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to all our listeners out there. Alhamdulillah. Um, as we normally start, we will do start immediately with our du'a. And as we've heard that we will have a shortened program today, so we'll try to make the best use of the, thereof, inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wal-aqibatu lil-muttaqeen, wal-jannatu lil-muahideen, wal-a'udwana illa ala-zhalimeen, wal-salatu wal-salamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal-mursaleen, sayyidina wa maulana muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in, rabbana zhalimna anfusana, فإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم اجعلنا من الذين يستمعون القول فيتبعون أحسنه برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين ربنا زدنا علما ورزقنا فهما برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا أذاب النار وأدخلنا الجنة مع الأبرار يا أزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله أم in our last segment, or in our last yesterday, in the segment of knowing my Lord, we dealt with the issue of that what happened to Nabi Ayyub. And, 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 and there we told you the background of Nabi Ayyub, the person that he was, the things that Allah has given him, the strength and the ability and the health that Allah has granted him. And in that process, we indicated to you that Nabi Lut, as Allah wanted it for him, was a Nabi whom Allah has given riches, wealth, position, but at the same time he was a person who was very obedient to Allah Ta'ala. And in his obedience and his relationship with Allah Ta'ala, Allah granted him so much of wealth, Allah granted him a good family and a good partner. Alhamdulillah, in that process, 
Allah granted Nabi Lu, that Nabi Ayyub the process that Allah tested him with things after a time. Now, Allah doesn't tell us much about Nabi Ayyub as to who he was when it comes to his people. But Allah shows us the things that Allah has put him as the Nabi to. He, as a Nabi, he had a job to be able to deal with people. But in the process, people had a certain reaction to him. Now, initially, when they saw him as a person with his wealth and his position and his family and his health that he had and his strength and abilities, they all admired and loved and, 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 and accepted him for the person he was. To the extent that he started to invite them to Islam, to Allah Ta'ala. When he invited them to Allah and the deen of Allah, the submission that man and you and I need to have to identify Allah as Rabb of everything, the Rububiyyah of Allah. And therefore, when we understand Allah in His Rububiyyah, so then when Allah advises us that we need to be able to give our Uluhiyah to Allah. Our Uluhiyah is the reference that we see Allah as the Ilah, and we, because of seeing him as the Rabb, we recognize that he is the Ilah. Now they've seen him, they've seen Nabi Ayyub in his capacity and greatness and glory. And they saw the process of recognizing Allah as Rabb. But the issue was Nabi Lud's message was saying to them, after having to understand and accept Allah as Rabb, you need to see Allah as Ilah. See in it the uluhiyya, and that means you then have to admit to who Allah is, and then when Allah gives you the instructions, you need to be able to carry that out. Now remember that message was given to all the Anbiya, and Allah only mentions all this to us, to you and to me at the Ummah today, so that we can recognize this is what happened to the Anbiya prior to us. This is what they went through, and this is what was given to them, and you and I can decide whether we want to be able to give unto Allah the uluhiyya because the objective of man in worship is worshiping is all about the uluhiyya to Allah. When I claim I, I worship Allah and I am a Muslim, then I need to see that my life is totally set in a way that everything that happens to me, everything that I do, everything that can ever happen into my life, I need to be able to deal with it in a sense of uluhiyah to Allah. Now in uluhiyah to Allah we will see as we've seen in the other anbiya prior to this, in this Nabi, Nabi Ayyub the same. What then happened, his people accepted him as a person but when he started speaking to them about their submission to Allah, and that was the time prior to him being sick, not long thereafter Allah gave him the challenges and he became a sick person. And then when he became a sick person, Allah took his health away. The sickness came over him. Then came the situation where he had a big family and Allah unfortunately tested him with his family when one after the other of his children Allah took away subhanak la hawla wa la illa shukran so much for that Sheikh. we are still in our first segment of the program being knowing my lord and yeah i'm going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue inshallah Sheikh tafaddal
Afwan Barakla Fikum Jazakrahir. Yes, just before the break, we were discussing Nabi Ayyub, speaking of the person and where, who he has been, and how Allah has granted him to be able to be put through challenges. And the challenges he went through, Allah Ta'ala tested him with his, with his health, with his wealth, with his family. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. With his health, Allah tested him, he became a sick man. With his wealth, Allah allowed him to have all that wealth that he became weak and weak and he didn't have much. Uh, he went to the extent where he had only a little bit. And at that time, he actually kept his relationship strong with Allah. And he, in actual fact, did his duty as a Nabi to remind his people. And it was at that time when the people started to mock at him. Mocking at him as the fact that he is a sick man. Mocking at him at the time because now he did not have much in his, in, amongst, for his wealth. And mocking at him because he Allah has granted him a big family and Allah has take his, taken his family away as Allah's test. And because, remember, as we've said, remember you and I, when we go through tests, it's insignificant, very, very, very little, very small. No matter how big we imagine our test is and how uncomfortable and how unbearable it is, the reality is, you and I might be tested by something very small. Yeah, Allah granted a Nabi to whom Allah has given riches, wealth, and Allah has taken it away. A Nabi whom Allah has given a big family, and Allah tested them in a very short time that his whole family got, uh, Allah took it away, that he didn't have a family no more. He only had his wife and himself. But he had a big family and they grew up with him and they developed with him and Allah took it away from him. And a person whom Allah Ta'ala has given that command that he need to under those circumstances carry out and speak to his people. And unfortunately those was the time when his people felt that he was not deserving because they looked at the world is strength. Can you imagine you and I sometimes when Allah tests us with things, then we think a lot of what we're going through and how major our problem is. Now Allah wants us to understand you and I will never, ever, ever be able to be tested to the extent what Allah have tested the Anbiya. Their tests is much greater. And you and I should not be thinking, Ya ma'ala asmosi ambiya. Yes, they are the ambiya. And Allah, let us understand in the words of our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the people whom Allah will test the greatest is the ambiya first. Because the spiritual level with Allah is so great. And if your spiritual level is that great, you deserve to be able to withstand in a level of uh, taqwa and iman with Allah to such an extent that no matter how big the challenge is, you will be able to succeed in that challenge. But we need to look at ourselves in these processes. How do we see ourselves? Are we prepared to accept? Because Allah wants us to live to the level of what Allah has granted the exposure to the Anbiya. Yes, you and me are not Anbiya. You and me are not the capacity of them. But you and me can. When we make the intention sincere in our heart 
that we want to be able to equal them when they have had challenges, that you and I strive to want to live to that that level of challenges. And if we prepare to accept that, Allah Ta'ala shows us and we will listen to the ayat of Allah. Example we say to you in Surah Anbiya, Surah number 21, verse number 83, and Allah Ta'ala says, وَأَيُّوبَ إِذْ نَادَى رَبَّهُ أَنِّي مَسَّنِيَ الدُّرُّ وَأَنْتَ أَرْحَمُ الرَّحِمِينَ He said to Allah, Allah is mentioned in this ayah, and remember when Nabi Ayyub, when he cried to Allah, really distress has seized me, and you are the most merciful of all those who show mercy. What Allah wanted to teach us, you and me, if Allah could have tested Nabi, Yus, Nabi Ayyub and given him the uncomforts of his test, which is no way to all our tests together, we cannot put that together in the position of what Nabi Yunus, Nabi Ayyub has gone through, then you and I need to understand. Nabi Ayyub at that moment, when, this, when the severity came unto him, called unto Allah. He called and he cried and he kept his relationship with Allah till strong. And because of that, Allah answered him in the next ayah. فَاسْتَجَبْنَا لَهُ وَكَشَفْنَا مَا بِهِ مِنْ دُرٍ وَآتَيْنَاهُ أَهْلَهُ وَمِثْلَهُ مَعَهُ رَحْمَةً مِنْ عِنْدِنَا وَذِكْرًا لِلْعَابِدِينَ سُبْحَانَكَ لَحَوْلُ وَلَكُبَتَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ So Allah said in the next ayah, So we answered his call. We responded to him. When he called out to us, we then were there for him because we tested him and we knew. At that moment, he didn't run to anything else. He didn't depend on the hospital. He didn't depend on the doctors. He didn't depend on the medicine. He depended on Allah. Nay, it doesn't mean he shouldn't use the hospital, he shouldn't use the doctors, and he shouldn't use the medication. But his yaqeen is not in them. His tawakkul is not on those things. His dependence and reliance and his strength of iman was that link with Allah. And this happened to you and me, to all of us every day. The various challenges that you and I will be tested with. The issue that Allah wants us to understand is all of us. All of us need to recognize as Muslimin that this thing that happens to me now is something which Allah has decreed for me. It's something that Allah wants to happen to me. It's something Allah has given to me. I need to embrace it like the Ambiya. Nabi Ayyub, Allah doesn't say, and he said, oh my Lord, how can you give this to me? Why is it so difficult? Why can't I? Why? No, 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 why? Don't say I can't and I die. Why? And don't say that. Say Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raja'un. Say that excessively and depend and rely and have excessive sober. Allah wants us to have a lot of sober. Sober means when the thing becomes unbearable, uncomfortable, and you feel you cannot know more, then you still keep on having your link with Allah and you don't depend on anything, nothing of this world, not your parents, not your family, not you don't depend on absolutely anybody and you only depend on Allah and yeah Allah shows us this what happened to Nabi Ayyub especially so in the process of Nabi Ayyub going through the difficulties and allow me to say to you now imagine he had a big family and the family passed away one after the other and he had no more children and Nabi Ayyub had wonders and greatness and the test he was of these sicknesses 
all the possible sicknesses that you and I can ever think of. Remember nowadays we go through what some people say, I have a full package, I've got this and I've got this and I've got that, and we add and we add and we add. Let me just show you some of the things that happened to Nabi Lut. No, I mean Nabi Ayyub. This Nabi, Nabi Ayyub, had Allah's given him a full package of whatever you and I think you and I have, plus, plus Allah has allowed that this Nabi had to bear the most uncomfortable pain, physical pain in his body. And the body became weak. And he became, uh, uh, he, he, he could not know more. And there was pain everywhere. And his, his, his body looked as if he became very, very sick. And the people around him started to say, if you are so having a Lord, is this is what your Lord doing to you and you having this link? And so they mocked at him in that sense. And this Nabi kept on calling because his trust, his Iman and Tawakkul was very, very strong. And he called on and cried and spoke to Allah about his processes. Until the situation became where Allah allowed things in his body to be able to come out in the form of worms coming from inside as if they are eating the body inside and then they come and they come outside and they almost fall off the body and as they fall off the body Nabi Ayyub would take them from the ground and pick them up and say to them Allah has created you to be able to live and this is your food my body so may you enjoy it why there isn't severe pain severe pain how would you and I have handled that wouldn't we want you to know that these things must come off our body and how we think it and cease and arach and frost and reiken. Nabi Ayyub picked it up and put it onto the body and said, this is your rizik. Allah has granted you this body of mine is your rizik. And he allowed them until it became so weak that there was nothing more left in his body's abilities. His only thing is his mind is working, his heart is beating. And whatever is happening, but he became absolutely weak and then he called unto Allah. And he prayed and said to Allah, Oh Allah, this has come, this, the, the, the load has now become so unbearable. But my Lord, I ask you, you are the most merciful of all those who show mercy. You take over my position. You care for me. You see, subhanak. When Allah heard that of Nabi Yunus, Allah tells us in the, in the next ayah, so we answered him. But remember we said, the, the lesson that you and I need to see within that is the fact that your challenges as mine is not, nothing in comparison to what Nabi Yunus went through, Nabi Ayyub went through. And Allah grant him health thereafter, and Allah granted him wealth thereafter, and Allah granted him to be able to have a family the size of the family that he had prior. Subhanak. But just before that, that moment, we got that. Just before that, it so happened that Nabi, Nabi Ayyub in this distress and his wife came to him and his wife said to him, and she was the only one that gave, gave him support, nobody else gave him support. And she said to him, isn't it time that you need to call unto Allah and to beg of Allah to be able to set you free from all this isn't Allah most merciful you know what he responded and he said to her 
do me a favor. Just do me a favor and think from the moment the two of us are together and we live this marriage, in, uh, we lived it together. For how many years was I a healthy man? For how, much, for how many years was I a wealthy man with a lot of wealth? For how many years did I have the enjoyment of a family? And she told him what the state is. And she, he said to her, and tell me how many years am I now a sick man? How many years am I now a person with little wealth? How many years is it now that I am a person whom Allah has put through these tests that my sickness and my children and my wealth is on? How many years is all that? And when she calculated, she found that it was nothing really in comparison to all the difficulties, all the ease that he went through prior to then. You understand what we were saying here? That is that has not happened to Nabi Ayyub. Nay, it happens to you and to me. How many times do you reflect how fortunate you are? How much you enjoy of the wealth that you have, of the health that you have, of the 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 the, the, uh, the, the fact that you have a family and uh, uh, people around you that can support you. How fortunate are we? How rich are we not? You see, we look at the poor and we say, nay, we are poorer than them. And we look at the sick and we say, no, we are sicker than them. And we look at people who don't have and we, we see ourselves, no, 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 start to realize. We are extremely rich, we are very, very rich, but we are greedy and we are wasteful and we are not using the wealth of Allah in what is the needs. We, we want the wealth of Allah for greed, for want. And I want this and I want that. It's not needs. Example, in the life of a woman, Allah Ta'ala puts into the, the, the words of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, every woman needs to get per year two gays, two, two clothes, sets of clothing, two bottom clothing, the underneath clothing, and the top clothing, two sets. While the one is in use, the other one is either in the wash or waiting for you in the cupboard. And that is what, no, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm saying this to the woman, not because this is for the woman only, this is also for the men. Do you need one bag? You don't need bags. But we've got so many bags. What skin it us? What sizes? I mean, what colors would I see? What sort of decorate us? But the men, many, many times the same. We have got so many, and we use we use our wealth for greed and for want. I will buy a fundi, greedy, and I want it, and I command the want. I will fundi and I will fundi, and I want to eat this today, and I want to eat that. There's such a lot of poor people who doesn't have at all. No, I'm speaking about poor, really people who don't have. Not you and me, who have so much. If you're listening through me through the radio today, then you're you are excessively rich. Yes, Start to take your money and only use it for this necessity. Don't use it for one bread more than what you need. Don't use it for anything more than what the needs is. You'd find that you are very, 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 very rich. Yarab, but that's us. Nabi Yunus, Nabi Ayyub, Allah has granted him riches at the beginning. 
met een listeester hem, so his wife realize that, ja, Allah, ons was so rijk gewees, ons het net klein beetje minder aan nou. Ons het so baie groot familie geet, ons het nou niks meer kinders oor nou nie. We had all the health that we were enjoying all the time. And she realized, and she says, how do you expect me now to call to Allah as if I am not satisfied with Allah has given me? Because given me so much of wealth, I needed to have actually accepted that. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. Do know that you can see through your questions through to 072-238-0712. Alternatively, send it through to our SMS line being 47913. We are going to our second part of the program being I am a Muslim, what is expected of me. And your Sheikh is going to be continuing as to where Sheikh stopped yesterday, inshallah. Sheikh, bismillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And yes, Mina Shukran for that one. Um, we are now in the segment, I am a Muslim, and what is expected of me? We've reached to the level of Salah, where we say, um, we, the, the Salah, and, and as we, we call it Salah here, we refer to all those things that's got to deal with the issues of Salah. Um, salah is not Salah yet, but we are duly dealing with what we call the prerequisites of Salah. And in the prerequisites of Salah, we started off with having to go to the Istinja, and then we went over the Isinja, we went into the Wudu. We are still busy in the Wudu issue. We've reached to the end of the Wudu process, which we call the Khuf. And that is where we've been yesterday. In the position of the Khuf, we went to speak to us about the Khuf as those conditions with that Khuf. We mentioned to you it needs to be a, 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 a boot or something that covers the ankle. Uh, we also meant, mentioned to you it, it must be something that can be that's durable to 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 do to, to use not too thin if you touch it with water if your wet hand touches it the water must not reach your the, the foot and that you, it must be able to that that is the second and then we said that there is some time constraints as to when you go into that that when you add to that, when you, when, you, when you put it onto your foot, that you must keep it on your foot for the period of a day long if you are at home. And uh, the issues that goes with that. And then we needed to come, as, as, as shown to us, the, the process of the hoof, what goes with that, right? Um... Imam Nawawi writes in his commentary on Sahih Muslim that, that we need to be able to, those opinions are respected in consensus, all agree that it is permissible to wipe over the, the leather sock while traveling or non-traveling, regardless of whether it is out of need or not. I think we've said that, whether you do so because it's a need for it or not a need, which means they, you could for no reason, no specific reason, use a hoof. What I'm trying to say is, if the only reason is that you do so because I am wearing the hoof now, so I'm putting the hoof on and, and for this is how I'm going to use it as a hoof, then that is permissible with it, right? You don't need to, if for that matter you say I'm going to use a hoof because uh, um, there's not a lot of water, so you know, that's a reason. You could be say, saying that one of the reasons is because, you know, when I work, work at work, I don't need to take out my shoes, take off the, 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 the socks or something like that. 
And, and in that case, that becomes your hoof. But we need to understand the conditions and the things other than that that goes with it, right? And so the best proof for the permissibility of this form of wiping is what Muslim recorded from Al-Masha' on the authority of Ibrahim from Hammam who said, Jarir urinated and then he wiped over his leather shock. It was said to him, do you do that? He replied, yes. I saw the messenger of Allah urinate and then make ablution and wipe over the leather sock. He then added, Ibrahim liked the hadith because Jarir embraced Islam after the revelation of Surah Ma'idah. Now the reason why it's mentioned here with Surah Ma'idah, because Allah mentions this issue of the use of the sock in Surah Ma'idah. What, what you and I need to understand, it's, its meaning is that Allah has said in Surah Al-Ma'idah, wash your face and your forearms up to the elbows and rub by passing your hands over your heads and wash your feet up to the ankles. And therefore, if Jari's Islam would have been before the revelation of Al-Ma'idah, it could be understood that his hadith concerning wiping the sock was abrogated by the verse in Surah Ma'idah. Since his embracing of Islam was after that fact, we know that his hadith is to be acted upon and it clarifies that the verse applies to the one who is not wiping. Thus, the Sunnah here practices the verse. And Allah alone knows best. What we do understand here, people, is the fact that our, our, we see that this Sahabi or this Tabi'i has seen the Sahabi doing this and he then followed that, right? And he realized that the Sahabi did not get that at a time when the verse was, uh, was revealed yet. It, it happened only after the revelation of the verse. So he then saw the application of the verse of Allah, when he came down and he read the verse, what he must do in his wudu, and he saw the action of the Sahabi who was given this exposure through the khuf, that happened prior to the revelation of the ayah. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And it is then that he saw that that application carried on. But if you think of the verse of Allah, telling the, the, the ayah of Allah says, Allah says, وَمْسَحُوا بِرِؤُوسِكُمْ Rub your heads وَأَرْجُلَكُمْ إِلَى الْكَأْبَيْنِ And your feet until you... And the word, uh, the scholar says, وَمْسَحُوا بِرِؤُوسِكُمْ وَبِرِؤُوسِكُمْ وَأَرْجُلَكُمْ إِلَى الْكَأْبَيْنِ Arjulakum could be reference to the fact that you rub over it with your for the fact that you do as as the hoof, or it could be meaning that you rub over it for the fact of the wudu washing the feet normally. Shukran so much for that. Do know that you can send through your questions through 072-238-0712. Alternatively, send through an SMS to 47913. This is your program, Madrasa on Air, Developing Islam in Me with Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams. We are now in our second part of the program being I am a Muslim, what is expected of me. We are in our second part of the program being 
I am a Muslim, what is expected of me? And here you can send through your questions through to our WhatsApp number being 072-238-0712. Alternatively, send through an SMS to 47913. We are now going to be recapping to where she stopped before the break, inshallah, Sheikh Tafatul. Yes, um, and Shukran, Auntie, uh, thanks for that, very much for that. Just before the break, we were on the, the, program, the section of where we speak about the hoof. And, and, and we were looking at the hoof. There is a condition that we want to share with you, or the conditions that there is. When wiping over that leather sock, or the, uh, over the, the, the socks that we've said earlier on, the one factor is important that we must be able to have had a clean wudu on your feet prior to putting your feet into that thing which you intend to have, right? Now that is very, very important. And the Sahaba radiallahu anhum says, we were with the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam one night whilst traveling. And the Sahabi says, and I poured water for the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from a container. And he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam washed his face and arms and wiped his head and then moved to remove uh, and then I moved to remove his leather socks and he said leave them for I put them on while they the feet were in a state of purity meaning when I've put it on I've made the intention to, in the, my clean feet to be used for the process of hoof right then he wiped over them subhanallah then he sallallahu alayhi wa wiped over them and this is what the sahabi says to us where we see that this is something done remember everything that you and i as a muslim will ever have to do if it is not been shown to us exposed to us by our nabi sallallahu alayhi wa we need to question because he is the only teacher the only teacher and every other teacher who needs to be a teacher in your life and mine must follow him and if they don't follow him we reject what they do we discard what they do it is of no importance right what he has done is of very 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 much so yes and that's why remember the question that we say in the life of a muslim always two questions is a necessity which we need to see develops within us and on our children as a norm the first question is a very very important question what does allah tell us say about that anything you name the issue that happened to me and you ever we always must ask what does allah tell us say about something about that what is allah's command to you and me what is allah's message for the quran is allah's message to you and me allah has spoken whatever the needs is that you will ever everything is in there right so we need to ask what does allah say and the question number two is how did our teacher our role model our guide expose us to that understanding when we heard the message of allah the understanding of that message the interpretation in human understanding and in human practice how did our nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam his job description was his job is to be able to show you and me to take us and to show us the understanding of this deen and the understanding of this quran that message of allah and you and i cannot ever 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 understand this deen or practice it accordingly unless we know those two questions is in place question number one what does allah say question number two how did our nabi sallallahu alayhi wa respond to that statement allah says 
إِذَا قُمْتُمْ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ وَنُسْتَأْنِفُ فِي الصَّلَاةِ فَاغْسِلُوا وُجُوهَكُمْ وَأَيْدِيَكُمْ إِلَى الْمَرَافِقِ وَامْسَحُوا بِرُءُوسِكُمْ وَأَرْجُلَكُمْ إِلَى الْكَعْبَيْنِ ذَات كَمْز فروم الله رايت اند هاو دو وي امبليمنت ذات ذا اونلي بيرسون ذا اونلي وين ويتش الله هاف سنت فور ذات سبيسيفيك جوب ذات يو اند اي كان ليف ان ذس وورلد تو بي رايتشس and good and obedient slaves of Allah today in this world under the circumstances was our Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So no matter who, no matter the status of the person, if he or she does not follow that Nabi, then unfortunately their words, their action means of, is of no good and no value to us, right? If it was not done by our Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa We're not thinking bad of others. We're not undermining other people. We're just saying that the only way that I can be a real Muslim, the only way for me to submit to Allah in accordance with what Allah expects of me is when I do it in accordance with If Allah shows me he has sent this messenger and he has given me exposure and he expects me to be able to live this deen of Allah in accordance. So we've seen that even the issue about the khuf is not something that you and I can decide on whether we want to, whether we don't want to. We say these are given to us by our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam as the person to allow us to understand this deen, to know that this deen can only be carried out when we do everything with guidance. Nothing is from ourselves. Nothing is from you or me or somebody or some personality who've done some research at some time at some place. No, no, no. Our deen is not that. Everything in this deen comes with total guidance and you and I must know that that guidance must be understood because if we do not understand the guidance we will not know how to implement or act or react to processes may Allah grant khair and barakah to all of us and we go there and thus we see how our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says is that the length of time in which we can apply the the for the khuf In the words of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu, Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu, Ali ibn Abi Talib, he stated about wiping over the khuf. A messenger of Allah set a limit of three days and three nights for the traveler and one day and one night for the resident non-traveling person. Yeah. Meaning when any of us are on a travel and you before you go into the travel, you take the normal wudu with your feet and thereafter you put your foot into this thing called the khuf. Then because you're going to be on travel, you probably can remember. Main in that hoof situation for a period of three days and three nights because you're on travel. But when you are in, at home, it needs to happen for a period of one day and one night. Now, when we say one day and one night, the scholars goes to the extent of having to show us the length of that. Where does it start and when does it end? It starts from the moment that you use your foot as a hoof. Yeah, yeah, which means the moment you come to see and then it needs to run for a period of the amount of awqat for then, right? So if I have put my foot into my shoe for fajr this morning, but the first time that I am going to use it is for dhur, then dhur is the first time I use it. So I can use this khufa and only replace it and remove it after I get to dhur the next day because by dhur the first time, the first walk, is when I use it as a khuf, and then Asr, and then Maghrib, and then Aisha, and then Fajr. So 
then I've used it as, as the five day, the five day, and when I come to Dhuhr again, I must take it off and I must be able to see that I wash my foot now under the water. And for that matter, should it be that I got up in the morning and I took my uh, example, I, I've, I've, I've taken a bath and I, I came out and I think I've taken, I've had wudu, and now I need to be able to put in, in the hoof, and then I run for, I, 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 I don't use it for the word, I only use it for Asr. Then it starts with Asr, then Maghrib, then Aisha, then Fajr, and then uh, uh, Dhuhr again. And then for Asr that day, I need to see, uh, refresh my wudu with washing my feet again out of the hoof. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. We are still by our second part of the program being I am a Muslim, what is expected of me. And also do know that Sheikh will be leaving at 3.30. So the madrasa will be a bit shortened today. So Sheikh will be at 3.30, inshallah. The madrasa will be ending. But for now, we are going to try to make the most of what we have and the most of our time. So I'm going to hand over to Sheikh Sheikh Tafatul. Shukran jazakallah for that one, Yasmina. Just before the break, we were speaking about the length of time in which one can... Uh, simply wipe or simply use uh, the, 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 your sandal, uh, your, your, your shoe or your, your boot or the leather sock or whatever as a hoof. And we were saying to you, our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in the words of Sayyidina Ali, he says, our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us that the length for a traveler is three days and the length for a person that's not traveling is one day. And we explain that one day, it means it starts from the moment for a 24-hour period, starts from the moment, not when you put your foot into the shoe, but from the moment when you have that, that shoe on or that leather sock on. And only from the moment that you use it as a hoof is the first time it will be considered. And from there onwards for a period of a whole day. It means then a 24-hour session will be taken from you. So if an example we use, if you must probably in midday has taken a shower or a bath and, 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 and or for that matter a wudu, and you then put on the, 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 the hoof, then you did not use it as a hoof then for that salah. So at the next salah only, at the waqt of Asr, you're probably going to use it now as a hoof, and you need to take wudu again. So let's say for the waqt of Dhuhr, you do, for the waqt of Asr, you don't need wudu, you're still in that state of wudu, then that, what you don't need to take wudu, and then you are then considered not to use it as a hoof, and then your feet is clean for the wudu, then you will only use it at the waqt of Maghrib, then there's where it starts. So you start then to count from the waqt of Maghrib 1, and then Aishai 2, and then Fajr 3, and then Dhur 4, and then Asr 5. So it runs up till the next day, Asr, which means for a whole day. Now, people, I want you to understand, it's probably in today where it's a warmish day, and you think, no, 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 this is not, this is how are we going to do this? I'm not going to take my feet out to. No, 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 remember, this is the education that you are taught, you and I, by Allah and His Messenger. Our, the deen of Islam doesn't come from your sheikh or your maulana or your mufti, neither me. It comes from Allah and His Rasul. And He teaches us that this is something that we can do, especially not now, because now it's a warm season. In Cape Town, we, you and I, are enjoying a warm season here now. So we don't think of these terms. 
But can you think of what actually happens in the winter season when it's very, very cold and there's a lot of old people and they find it difficult to be able to use a lot of water over and the uh, extreme cold of the water and affecting their feet? Which, uh, when they put on a thickish sock and they rub over it, later on they can just rub over it again. And so we can understand that the time frame must be understood. When did I start with my hoof? And because Al Nabi said I could run through it from the moment I used it the first time to a five salawat process until then. And the sixth one, I need to be able to do wash my feet again. So we can then grow and develop. But not only the people that is finding himself old and elderly and the cold and the winter. Yes, that also. But imagine a person is working somewhere in the corporate world. Probably a male or a female. And he finds it difficult to use where he is at a, a basin he needs to take wudu. Imagine he or she needs to lift their feet above the basin. Whilst if they had a... A, a shoe on that had a misprint above the ankle, they could rub over that shoe, oh, on top of the shoe. And this is what we can understand. What is the way? And then just a wiping over the shoe is sufficient. And then that allows the person to go and make salah in that shoe. So he doesn't take those things out. Now, if he had on that shoe and he had a sock on and he wants to take out the shoes, and he wants to salah, make salah in the sock, then that sock is sufficient. But if he dressed himself in a clean form in the wudu for a sock and a, 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 a boot, then he can just rub over the boot and make salah in the boot and he doesn't need to take out the boot. There's no way that he needs to take, he can perform his salah inside that boot. Right? Remember, as we've said earlier, this is our deen coming from our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who gave us this exposure to understand our deen is not a difficult deen one to make. Can you imagine this man is working on the building and he's working with dagger and with this and he's got thickish boots on. That dagger boots is not dirty. It's full of dagger. It's that, but that's absolutely clean in Islam. That's cleansing in its best form. That's not dirt. So he makes rubs over that thing, and he can make salah. He's performing his dua salah within that, standing on the ground performing his salah on that, and that is absolutely nothing wrong. Totally perfect, given to us by Allah and His Messenger. So it shows us. Do you and I have the excuse to say, but I couldn't perform the Salah because of it is so absolutely easy. It's made so very, very easy for us so that you and I find no excuse. Or we probably can't, cannot use the excuses that shaitan wants to offer us by saying to us, but you can't now. You Remember, he gives you all this idea, but I can't now. I do this and do that, right? Um, and, and there's such a lot of understanding to this that we need to rec recognize this is the deen coming from Allah and His Messenger. And only He, Allah and His Messenger, can teach you and me it. And if that is the way they teach it to us, you and I need to see that we try to implement that to our lives, which makes it so much more easier for us to carry out the processes of our life, inshallah. So we're coming to the next aspect, which we says, what is to be wiped and the manner of wiping? What and where do you wipe and what is the manner of wiping? The scholars here says, the importance is the 
top part of that thing must be wiped. The top part. Now, because this is what the Nabi did, and Nabi Sallallahu did this, he wiped on the top. There is a hadith of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu an, of what we could probably relate to our life, when we say, yes, but what about the dirt at the bottom? And we don't know how dirty the thing is at the bottom, and if it's dirty or not. Remember the hadith we mentioned yesterday, where our Nabi said, and the scholar says, the base of everything in Islam is cleanse, cleansing, clean. Everything is in its base, in its norm, basic format, it's clean. So it's not dirty. It is clean. And the earth that we walk on is not dirty, it's absolutely clean. Remember the words of the Nabi, Allah has granted the whole earth in its natural format to be in its natural format absolutely clean wherever I find myself in the earth, right? So even if you stand amongst a lot of cement, whether it's dry cement or wet cement, that is absolutely clean, it's not dirty. And if that cement went onto your clothing, that is absolutely clean, it is not dirty. Now we are so good and so quick to say it's dirty. The thing is dirty. That is not dirt. It has a dark mark. It's not white. It's not without that. And like for instance, when food falls onto the clothing, it's not dirty. That's not dirt. For food, and if that food was, if that was dirt, then unfortunately what you were eating, well, you were eating dirt. I mean, you need to understand, you are eating these things. You're eating the, the food, leaves a mark on the clothing. That is absolutely clean. That is not. Dirt in Islam is something which is, its origin is dirt. Like, for instance, urine is dirt. It's, it's, it's completely dirt. It's dirt in dry and in, and in wet form. Right? That is dirt. And when we speak about, so what, you can't see the color. Yeah, you can see the color of something on your clothing and you look at that and you say, how dirt. We must come out of that mentality that that is clean, clean. Islam says you can make salah and you can be in public with that. It's not a sin. We make a big issue, yes. Because the world offered us this and shaitan is ready to allow our minds to understand that dirt is what shaitan wants us to believe is dirt. When the man's clothing is full of cement, he makes salah in that he doesn't consider anybody or anything that his salah is totally perfect. There's nothing wrong with that. So if he's been in the mud, and I'm referring to the mud outside where the water mixes with that mud, that is absolutely clean in its natural format. It's dust in, in water, call it muddy, that is absolutely clean. That's perfect cleansing. That is cleansing in its pure form. Remember, I'm not speaking about the cleansing that your eyes, mine has been made in the modern world, that clean is something where there's not a dot on it. That is our total misunderstanding. Because the world wants to offer us the fact that everything must be so perfect. This is, remember, the only way that you and I are going to become real Muslims, when we listen, what did Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa says? Did he call that dirt? No, he did not call that dirt. So it is not dirt. The West want to offer us this because they want us to buy the, 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 the unnecessary things and spend our time on efforts. I must clean this. I mean, you don't need to. You say, Alhamdulillah, it has marks on. It's not to the extent. May Allah grant us to be able to take it, the marks off. But it's not dirty. Just like Allah.
Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. With a few minutes left to the program, we are now going into our final part of the program being leadership in Islam and its progression. And I now hand over to Sheikh Sheikh Tafatul. Shukran jazakallah khair for that moment, Yasmina. We are now in the segment of leadership in Islam and its progression. We are in the topic of what we say communication. And under that topic we were dealing with yesterday, the meaning means and ways to develop leadership qualities, I mean uh, listenership qualities within us, to be a good listener and to develop that within us. And we've had certain things and we've been looking at yesterday when we need to look at the learning of the listen, to listen. The listening, you need to intentionally listen and not to to allow your mind to wander. You need to concentrate on what is being said. You need to restrict distractions meaning keep distractions away from you, not allow too much noise to come through to distort you. You need to have your minds open. You need to be able to either take notes or sit near the person that's giving you the message. We also said you need to remove the process of your own ego when you deal the process of that. And the, what we said is you don't and say to yourself, I know what the person has said. And you go about telling the person what the person has said. No, in the process of listening, you don't tell, you ask. And you show you probably could have misunderstood, not a yes, I, because then your ego takes over. Remember, our ego takes over when we think I am, I can, I know. That's my. That's all it was, my ego. When I think, but, but I understand, I just, I mean, I know what you say. No, no, we should have it in our capacity, in our means, as good people, as wanting to be beneficent to ourselves and to others, and want to enhance the relationship. Our ego must not take the upper hand of us, we said. We must be able to not judge. We need to listen to everything in there. And we do not allow ourselves to say we understood. We say, I might not have understood the lesson. Let me ask the person and let me hear what the person said. And that person is best in to guide me what the person has said. But that also creates a process of having to bring about enjoying or, uh, or, or allowing us to be able to feel equal with everybody. Because you're not thinking yourself better than other people. We then went over the verification process and we said it's our duty to verify by having to give feedback or to ask the person by say, is this what I understand you mean? Now, feedback is not, we say, it's not you inform the person, you say, we say to the person, no, did you say A, B, C, D? And the person then says to you, yes, that is what I said, right? And, or that was the message that I gave, or this is what you, you gave to me, I, that's what I understand. Or I asked the question by saying to the person, would you mind to repeat what you just said? Because I almost want to claim that I might, I could have misunderstood you. Now, though that that attitude, that is an attitude, that attitude is a positive, a healthy, an attitude that brings about good response and relationship to others, right? When you and I say to the person, not that, yes, I understood you completely, i rather say to you, no, I might not have understood, could you repeat, or did you say this, that, and the other, right? And you make me feel good when you say that to me, because then I can feel, no, we are on equal paths. But if you say to me, 
um, no, 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 you said that now. But I feel I didn't say that. Then you, I have the right to be able to say what I said. Right? You, the listener, must be able to say, I'm listening. According to me, this is what I understood. Is it as such? And what you are going to say, if I am the listener, and what you are going to say, you're the one that presented it, then I need to listen, take that from you because I need to believe. It then creates a relationship and a, a healthy environment that we can enter, interact with one another. People, we've come to the end of our program today. Let's hope Allah grants us success for the way forward, inshallah. And this is make our final dua here. Recite all together, inshallah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim wal Asr. Inna al insana lafi husr. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالصَّبْرِ وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَى سَيِّدِنَا وَمَوْلَانَا مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَأَصْحَابِهِ وَبَارِكْ وَسَلِمْ سُبْحَانَكَ اللَّهُمَّ وَبِحَمْدِكَ نَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنْتَ نَسْتَغْفِرُكَ وَنَتُوبُ إِلَيْكَ وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Shukran so much to Sheikh. Sheikh has reached the end of the program. Shukran so much to everyone who participated in the program. To note that all of those who sent through the questions and so forth, we'll definitely look at that also tomorrow in our program, inshallah. So from Sheikh, Sheikh Vidya, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. But I'm still with you up until 4 o'clock, inshallah.